0: Welcome to Food and Loathing, coming to you from the only city on Earth where the food pyramid has to share the spotlight with the Food Eiffel Tower, food canals, and a food forum. I'm told, actually, we're about to have a food horseshoe coming down. <laughs> I am speaking, of course, about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Al Mancini, with my producer, Rich Johnson, on the soundboard, sorting out the AC and the DC and the DBs. Hey, Rich. Hello, hello. How are you? Yeah. We have a great show planned today, and as we celebrate the fact that we are both footloose and COVID-free once Yay. again. Mm-hmm. Later in the show, we'll be talking wieners with Snapperazzo's Ralph Perazzo and toby Frank's Jordan Camacho. But first, to keep this from becoming a total sausage fest in more ways than one, <laughs> sitting in for the traveling Rick Moon and we have James Beard award-winning writer Kim Foster. Kim.
1: Yay. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you for bringing some fem- feminine energy and I guess a whole <laughs> lot of knowledge to the show. How are you doing this week?
1: I am so happy to be here. I'm doing great.
0: I'm you Kim. For those who may not know, is an award-winning author. Um, She also is the creator of Please Send Noodles, which we'll talk about briefly uh, in a moment. But um, I want to talk about your writing first. I really, I love your writing because, first of all, in many ways, it has a very similar gritty former New York City. Realism and acceptance of like kind of the ugly truths of life as as being beautiful truths in their own way, Mm -hmm. sort of. Um, And that kind of is reflective of my own experiences. Uh, But that's just the beginning of why I'm drawn to your work. For those who haven't read it, you write essays, you write long form work. Uh, You allow your work to take time to unfold and Mm -hmm. tell stories, um, which in this day and age is rare. Yeah, it's hard to get it published. Yeah, because we're all just trained to read in headlines. And your your work, it it reads smart, and it it requires some patience and some attention. And I like that. Um, I was just going over a few this past week, knowing you were coming on. I was rereading The Meth Lunches um, and The Dysfunction of Food. These aren't stories about food. They're stories that play out within a world in which the writer seems keenly aware of and respectful of the fact that food is present. Correct. Um, now, look, I've been saying for many years that, uh, you know, most of my career, my adult career, I've been writing about food or covering, recording yeah. on food and music. And they're two topics that I think are really similar. And I think I've been yeah. drawn to them because what I've always said is that they're both backdrops against which the stories of our life unfold. Exactly. And, you know, as a result, they're kind of eternally intertwined with our own stories. They trigger memories. They help create memories. They transport us through time. Mm -hmm. A song can do that. A meal can do that. A smell of um, a meatball cooking, if that was your grandmother's deal, that can do that. I think you have a similar approach and respect for food, but when I read your work, I see something a little different from your writing. In your writing, I sense that you know, when, when I write, I, I have this idea. I tell stories about food, but I hope that people will use those stories to find the food that will help them create those memories yes. or relive those memories. That's important. When, when I read your work, I get something. I, I feel like food is more than just a backdrop. I feel as though you make the food a character. In your stories, or per- perhaps one might see it as a minor character, but you, you always choose to spotlight and elevate it, and showing that it has its own role in yes. the story. Yes. Yes. So you tell so, and, and you you make food characters. For example, you you write a you wrote a story about the adoption of mm-hmm. your your kids. Yep and um it's a very emotional story it's a it's a very modern story it involves some tragedy Mm -hmm. um in the lives but you use mcdonald's food as characters and the the interesting thing is the mcdonald's french fries are kind of neither heroes nor villains they they just they're they're complex characters in the same way that a real literary character is complicated oh my god
1: thank you for saying that
0: so so i i love your writing now now I, I'm afraid I made it sound too pretentious by saying that, <laughs> because it's fun to read as well. But w- what's your approach to writing about food, and how hard is it to get work like that published?
1: It's really hard to get it published uh, because it's long and because people don't have attention spans. But I think it's really it's important to add it to the mix of all the other kinds of food journalism and food writing that we have. For me, it's just about I'm really I'm not interested in whether this dish is good or this dish is bad, or, you know, this is a good restaurant, that's a bad restaurant. For me, it's about that sort of, that connective tissue that food lends to. Um, and and I, I sort of like that you think of it as a character because I think that's actually, um, I think food is a character, right? Like it's a conduit. And the, and the, the story you were talking about with McDonald's, the reason I wrote that is because, um, Just briefly, McDonald's is where my two youngest kids um, had visits with their mom who died. And for them, McDonald's is like this cathedral. It's the place where they go to be with her again. You know, they'll say, we haven't been to McDonald's in a while. Let's go and, you know, see, you know, mommy. That was where we saw mommy Chrissy. Do you know what I mean? And so when we want to pay um, homage to her life and the importance of her life for them, that's where we go. And so a lot of people know McDonald's as this place that has like corporate food and it's bad for the environment and those kinds of things. And it's cheap food and it's all of those things, which I totally get. Right. But it's also this other thing. And so I think I'm always trying to find the other perspective, that this other sort of way of looking at things.
0: And and I think you use the, the consistency of McDonald's, which you know, and Rich and I yeah. have had this conversation. Yeah, about, absolutely. You know, when he's on the road traveling, you know, you go to a chain restaurant because you know what it's going to be. Exactly. And, and you've taken that there to another level. That that especially among lower income and sometimes at risk families, that right. that there is a consistency of knowing that there's always going to be McDonald's is always going to be McDonald's. Whatever foster home you're in, whatever yep. you know, wherever you're sent, that the treat will be the same. And you know, it's, it's a unique perspective on on the role that that food plays. You know, in in a child's life, and and different children's lives, depending on how Absolutely. how fortunate they are or what circumstances they have. Yeah. perhaps. perhaps better way to put that.
1: And there's a there's a I I was recently saw this story from this food writer in Cincinnati who was talking about uh, like a. His after the lockdown, he took his mother out of the nursing home, and they went to like it was one of those chain restaurants, like that you wouldn't you wouldn't talk about it on your podcast. It was like TGI <laughs> well, Friday's. Richwood, or,
2: yeah. <laughs> or, 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 yes, Steakhouse, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. But it
1: was like a TGI Fridays, yeah. or it was like a you know Applebee's, one of those. Yes, yeah. one of those. Yeah, and he talked about how he took his mother to this place and the joy that she felt just being out in the community again and having this food that wasn't like nursing home food and you know just the moment that they had together like reconnecting after not being together and how important how much she loved the food and how much he enjoyed it because she loved it. Yeah. And I just thought okay well that's that's something you don't think about because we're trained as food people to sort of be like, ugh, Applebee's, you know, or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's not yeah. that's not real food. That's not elevated food. That's not, you know, that kind of right. thing. So I just like to bust open some of those things a little yeah.
2: bit. Yeah, no, I like I, saying about McDonald's, everybody hates it but the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> that's
0: true. That's um, totally true. But...
2: Um, in, so as I had said,
0: I like to write in ways that'll give people the chance to make those own experiences yes. rather than report on the characters. But I feel like you also do a similar thing to what I do through Please Send Noodles, and and what I there and tell people about that. But as I understand it, I've never been to one, but I've read all about it. <laughs> it's kind of a um, a cookbook book club where yes. everybody reads the same cookbook and then makes a meal. Which mm-hmm. you know, in my life, my wife and I, I remember one year we were trying Sue and I were trying to figure out where to go for a birthday dinner, right, and. You know, it's like, why, what, are we going to go to Robichon and spend $1,000? I'll, I'll probably get invited in, like, you know, right. in three months. So what are we going to do? <laughs> and I turned around and I looked at this great cookbook collection that we had on the wall. And I'm like, you know, those are all signed and they're great souvenirs and they look pretty on my wall. But, you know, there's recipes. In there. we, could, <laughs> we could pull one of those down and cook and we'll shop together and we'll do that for restaurant people. You I know, that, that. that became a very fun thing. But that is really what Please Send Noodles, as I understand it, is all about. Is is. pulling those there's cookbooks off the wall so could you tell me how that got started and what it's like and, yeah. and then how it adjusted to the pandemic as well please
1: oh yeah and it's it was really interesting how that happened but um, so we only got together about four times before we got together at the writer's block and I just put a thing at, like an ad out on Facebook and said if you love cookbooks and you love to cook you know we're going to be doing a new cookbook every month and just come on down and people we had like 60 people come and so the first time I made like a fa, and everybody ate And we all, like, met each other. And then I assigned a book. And then we started having chef demos. So, like, people, they would kind of, like, Piero's came. And they, like, they overnighted sushi from Hawaii and showed everybody how to make poke. Like, it was just really special. It was really, really nice. So we did that for about four months. Then the pandemic hit. And uh, we started doing Zoom calls. And I, I kind of had that thing where I was, like, my husband kept saying, just, just, Get everybody together on Zoom. And I, you know how, like, in the beginning, you were sort of like, yeah. Zoom, I, this is not... I
0: don't do that when my boss tells me to do it. <laughs> Why am I going to do it with my friends <laughs> and right, family, exactly. right?
1: <laughs> but we started. I wanted to see if anyone would come. And about 20 people who I... I they're sort of the core group came. And we now, still... I mean, I, I've had a lot of book stuff, so I... It, has fallen off since the holidays but we basically meet like every two weeks on zoom and these people became like serious activists with me um, when um, when everybody was during lockdown and we had a food pantry and a refrigerator out on the um, front of our house that people could come and take good f- and take food and um, we would get food from um, from uh, uh, food that was close to expiration from like Vons and Albertsons and stuff like that and we would put it out like a green grocer and um please and noodles would do like a community dinner uh, about 250 dinners um, every month and just give them to people and you could just say how many dinners you wanted you didn't need to like show your ID or whatever it could be anything and you just all you had to do was let us know you wanted dinners and show up at our door and we would just give you dinners and so it sort of became this enjoyable thing that we did for us that was sort of fun right. that ended up becoming this sort of activist thing and so it's it was fun
0: I like you know I tell my stories about like you know oh I want and cook so that I could do something. And it's think, always this pretentious ass shit, like, yeah. oh, Legion Stadium with the 600,000. And then she's out here doing shit yeah. for the real community, yeah, and yeah. real that person. Frust, and she's a good it? person. And I'm just <laughs> some hanging out. Yeah. It's just yeah. an act, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, look, I. I'm going to want to one of these days get you on and talk about a lot of the yeah. topics that you cover more closely and we'll tell people um, again how to get in touch but with, with read your writing and please send noodles. Are you guys back up and, and running right now? Again? We will be
1: back up and running in March. So okay, cool. we'll be back up and I'll have... And some- that's
0: out of the writer's block which is one of the true um, real oh, yeah. independent bookstores and it's it's not an old one like The Strand in New York or something but no. it's um it's new but it still has a real, a real bookstore vibe in downtown Las Vegas.
1: It does and they let us bring food So it's basically free food. And if you are someone who enjoys, who doesn't enjoy cooking, but you enjoy food, you can bring beverages and still be a part of the group. So
2: yeah, they have that nice little meeting room.
0: We have that. That's where we do it in the meeting
1: room, which is wonderful.
0: Okay, so this is the part of the show where we discuss where we've been. Um, since getting out of quarantine, I've been eating out like a fiend. So I'm going to do this as my personal lightning round. Yeah. Um, went to Raku, which mm. um, we saw Chef Endo. Amazing as always. Um, loved it. I also You can see photos of all these, by the way, on the Food and Ludling Facebook page and all those places and Instagram. I also took Sue to Lanetta for her first visit there. Mm -hmm. um honestly everybody is talking about that restaurant and it always lives up to the hype it's one of i think one of the best restaurants to open in the past 12 months oh wow and certainly um you know not not pretentious and you know it's just really fun downtown summerland the chefs being really um adventuresome for for mexican food there but quality high end so i'm going to throw another shout out to them um I returned to Cassie Beach House, which is just becoming one of my regular spots to the extent that um, I ever could have a regular spot since I'm out so many places. (laughs) They were great, too, so thank you to those guys. And as we'll discuss in the news portion of the show, I tried our new brunch, the new brunch at Al Salido Posto. We will get to that. But Rich and I dined together at Hakasan last night Yeah. uh, for a preview of their new Chinese New Year menu. Rich, this is the second time you and I have eaten there together. How'd you like it this time? Oh, it's
2: wonderful stuff, absolutely. Can I remember... More than three or four things of the you know dozen we had last night. Here the next day, no, but it was all good stuff. I can tell you about a a, a prawn. Uh, d- the dim sum. Dim sum was yeah. was wonderful. The uh, lobster fried rice is is memorable. The little Kobe beef uh, pieces in a bone marrow kind of sauce was memorable. That
0: was really good. That had yeah. some heat to it. Um, a lot of spice. But yeah, you know, it's a lot of times I feel bad that I don't take notes on exact dishes that I had. Um, but for yeah. a meal like we had last night with the Lazy Susan in the middle, passing yeah. everything around, Chinese food, family style. I don't even think it's wrong that we may not remember which yeah. dishes were which. It was all of that just reaching and grabbing, having a good time, yeah. and I, I thought it was fun. Hakusan, um, yeah, they,
2: they delivered. I thought it was a good experience. And it's the uh, Year of the Tiger menu available starting on uh, February 2nd to the 6th, and then the 9th through the 13th, 128 a person prefix or a la carte. We had some prices on our, the little menu they gave us, and yeah, I, th- I think the prefix would be the way to go on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Although, man, it's amazing. I remember a time when a $100 prefix, not all that oh, long yeah. ago, when that was like pushing the limit, like when Nobu had 80, 100, and 120, and that was like the most expensive thing in town, the old Nobu at the Hard Rock, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm dating myself here, but man, we have, we've we pushed prices into the stratosphere <laughs> where now we're like, a buck and a quarter. Yeah, it's a good deal. <laughs>
1: you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I love the Lazy Susan idea.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: I yeah. Mean, that's that's, that's just the p-
2: classic big extended three-level Chinese family That's experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Something I want to talk about and, and get your opinions on, have you ever used Gold Belly, the, the, the mail order thing where you can get food from famous chefs or iconic food of your youth? I'm sure you could get to Jean's. Uh, uh, cheesesteaks from Philly. Yeah, Gino's, you could get that. Could get that and
0: I know Gino's. you, I think you can get John pork from Philly, but yeah. I've got to say, like, I think the reason I don't order Gold Belly is because I have a rule never to order anything late at night after drinking or smoking weed because, <laughs> um, because after that first Sobacawa pillow showed up like 15 years ago, I just kind of cut myself off on that. Uh, husk pillow, weird thing. But, um, anyway, yeah, no, you
3: know, because I'm, uh, I'm moving over to, to my uh,
2: radio mic. Okay. I'm demonstrate what I, uh, got us for Gold, yeah. Gold Belly.
0: Okay, but in the mean what I was going to say is I don't order from Goldbelly because the prices are kind of exorbitant it seems yeah. to me. And they always seem like a good idea if you're up late partying, right, but you know course. when then when the credit card bill comes. And I know a lot of chefs who have who, who have participated, they spend a lot of time on getting the packaging right, making sure it can be refrigerated, it'll show up fresh to your door. So the expense is not necessarily exploitative. Right. I mean, if you want to yeah. get a, a great classic dish that you remember from 1800 miles away delivered to you in a short period of time, then yes, it's, I guess it's a reasonable price for that. Yeah. I just suppose in my mind, I don't know how reasonable I can justify <laughs> spending course. that kind of money to get a, get a beef sandwich or a cheesesteak or well,
2: something. Yeah, getting a beef sandwich. Uh, full disclosure, we're recording this episode in my kitchen here in uh, Summerlin and I ordered gold belly, uh, a thing I love for my two and a half years in Chicago. And that is Italian beef. Not a big fan of the Chicago dog with all the zillions of things on it, but Italian beef is like a French dip, only you dip the whole sandwich into the jus, as opposed to you know one little dainty dip at a time. Mm-hmm. And here comes. Oh, wow.
4: Wow. We have some room for these things, and I napkins over
0: here. Thank mm-hmm. you. And the um, the jardinere on there, right? Yeah. The, do I pronounce that you right? Pronounce it. You know it was, I was I mispronounce everything?
1: I love this idea that you just dip the entire thing. It's not even like it's not even like something you could do like you'd want to do on a first date, but it's kind of the thing you'd want to do like after you're having some edibles and sitting on your yeah. couch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I would respect the hell out of somebody who did that on a first date. Oh, yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, I like my ladies a little sloppy. Okay, well there know, you know, go. You know, a little all messy. Right, so
1: let me this is for you today. if you like them
0: sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> this is delicious, Rich. Anyway, every, I'm loving every it. Every
2: place in Chicago that does this has its own combination of herbs that go into the jus, mm-hmm. and that's what makes uh, Mr. Beef different from Giordano's from from <coughs> all the other joints. This is uh, Vienna beef. <coughs> also a, Another one, and this was with a with a discount. It was about sixty bucks for four big rolls and and enough stuff for four sandwiches split into two, and uh, (coughs) others were were a lot more. So So, this was a good compromise, compromise. and I I think this is the kind of thing I would get. Or did did get. You on... did get it. Get back to the real microphone here. That I did get on Gold Belly <laughs> because it travels well. Oh, you need to, you got your oh, water there. okay.
0: Got okay.
1: I just inhaled a pepper. Uh,
0: I feel like this is a good segue for us to go into our hot dog section while we yeah. eat. Do you want to, um, anything else you want to add, Kim, on things you've been up to lately before we cut to our hot dogs and then we'll be back after that?
1: No, no, I'm good. Go ahead. Let's eat. Okay.
0: eat. We're going to eat. This is Food and Loathing. And Wiener, wiener, chicken dinner, or something like that. It is oh, wiener time here at Food and Loathing. Rich, you are not editing that out. We're leaving. Oh, no. The worst puns always have to stay in. Uh, back at Food and Loathing, we are on beautiful Water Street in Henderson right now, coming to you from Sticks Tavern, a.k.a. To Be Frank, or I should say Styx Tavern, home of To Be Frank, yes, the sir. hot dog pop-up. I've got Jordan Camacho with me and Ralph Perrazzo. We are here to talk about... Hot dogs. I, of course, in Mal Mancini and Rich Johnson is Gale. still men in the board for this segment. Yep. I don't go anywhere without them because it sounds like shit when I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, we want to talk about hot dogs, wieners, franks, some—I um, uh, don't know what other words—sausages. Um, they are a sausage. Wieners are a sausage. Yes. What, whatever else we could talk about, but you know, like. Man, you know, the the most all-American of foods. If we we're going to decide what America's national food is, I think the hot dog has to be up there for it, and yet doesn't seem to get a lot of respect. But I know both of you, the gentlemen that I'm sitting with right now, treat it with a lot of respect and have. Um, been pretty successful as a result of that fact so let me do the quick version of the intros I did not run down write down every backstory so um, I'm gonna let these guys introduce themselves a little bit first of all Jordan chef Jordan chef owner of to be frank chef you have had a, um, a formal dining career before you got into doing this could you just give us a rundown of where people might know you from
4: yeah so uh, went to cordon blue here back when it was uh, going on back in 2004 and then uh, out of there I was at Sterling Club under when and it was still run by Charlie Palmer. Um, then I had moved away to uh, Nova Scotia for a little while and was cooking at a spot up there, and then came back and worked for Thomas Keller at Bouchon for about uh, a year and a half. Then after that, I moved up to Seattle, um, was working uh, at a place called Bricks up in Gig Harbor. Just It's about half hour outside of Seattle. Came back, did another year um, at Bouchon, um, and then kind of <clears throat> turned my attention towards real estate for a little bit, but then uh, got, uh, Kept, top, kept in touch with some friends back from Bricks and my buddy Trevor, who is actually the chef. Uh, I I used to cook, but he's the, he's the chef, though we collaborate on the menu. But then uh, got him to move down here, and that was when we had plans to open some stuff up. And then the p- pandemic happened, and uh, then we kind of came up with the idea for To Be Frank and... Started that.
0: Yeah, to be frank, started off as a pop-up concept being run out of every grain. Yes. Which is already like the tiniest restaurant in the world. One of the best restaurants it's in Las Vegas. I love that place. Um, Sheridan love Sue's Sheridan. restaurant. But I mean, you look at that joint and you're like, how do they even <clears> function in there? You know, there's Jenny and Sheridan are in there all the time. They've got Sterling in there. They're done yeah. with them yeah. quite yeah. a bit. And yet it's the teeniest, tiniest place. Um, and then you guys go in and use their kitchen to run pop-up out of. Yeah, hot it was dog. crazy.
4: Like, you know, having a whole separate fridge and then a dry ingredient space, you know, we had to bring in another rack and the place, like you said, is is such a uh, smaller footprint that it was, it was a little difficult having to switch over the line every night and everything like that. But, um, uh, you know, we made it work. It was during the middle of the pandemic and we were kind of going for proof of concept there. and seeing I'd if say it you, did,
0: you did more than made it work. I mean, you yeah. were one of those lights during that pandemic that, look, we all know it was a horrible time. I'm not in any way making light of all the suffering and the pain that went through with, with it. But there were certain lights of creativity that you got to see some chefs who, who, even though it was difficult, found a way to bring food to people that was good. And to be frank was one of those things. It was like, where the fuck? i never heard of these people before. What the hell? They're coming up? And yet every foodie in town was buzzing about it. We're all stuck in front of our screens. You know, we're putting in more screen time than ever. So we were doing a lot more talking about food than we were eating, especially at the height of the pandemic. But you guys were one of the things that everybody was talking about. It really blew up.
4: Yeah, we had fun. We, we definitely had fun. Of course, you know, Jenny and Sheridan were uh, such a huge supporters of us and you know kind of helped push our name out there a little bit because as you said I mean we weren't really known super well in the industry Trevor just moved down here from Seattle and, uh, you know, I had stepped away from the kitchen for a while, so uh, they definitely helped out. And then some other friends in the industry kind of helped to push the name out a little bit as well. Well, cool.
0: And then you have since opened Sticks Tavern right here on Water Street, right across from Hockeyville, USA. Yeah. Well, I might forget what that facility is called. Lifeguard, lifeguard. Arena. Yeah. Yes. Lifeguard <laughs> Arena. It's just, I feel like how hot does the ice have to get that you need a lifeguard? <laughs> um, how bad does the AC have to go that you need a lifeguard? Um, anyway, so you're here. You're also making some of the best rotisserie chicken in town, some wings so that good. Ralph and that I are right. really eating good. on. Um, you know, I've been surveying people for this new project, Neon Feast, and um, you got named in the chicken category. You got named in the hot dog category. You got named in just a gaming bar with great places to eat. So, that is awesome. You know, this, this joint is resonating as well, and I feel like Water Street's a, a really cool... Um, neighborhood you know
4: yeah you know it reminds me of what the arts district was like just a few years ago like say five six years ago right before it really started to to get super busy and popular
0: i think the one difference is the people in the arts district were always kind of cool with it being discovered by tourists Mm -hmm. right like it was like oh yeah come on down this is another part of las vegas this area is almost a little bit like boulder city where it's like fuck you all of you we don't want anybody from the strip discovering us (laughs) you know
4: (laughs) once you get off the freeway it's like a whole like you just traveled 300 miles up in northern nevada yeah you know very small town community
0: but if you want to hang with the locals if you want to get a feel for las vegas and and henderson in particular this is definitely the neighborhood where you have to come to for sure so now they are bringing out some hot oh dogs right God. now. So before I give Ralph his intro, let's find out what we've got out
5: What do you got, Chef? Oh, some of our dogs?
3: Oh, cool.
0: Describe them for us uh, here. Yes, please. Ralph, these are yours. Ralph. Let's tell us what we got going oh, on Oh, no. Here, we,
5: we, we brought uh, okay. four of our products. One's a pork and beef lamb case. That's our water dog. We do those at T-Mobile and uh, Legion Stadium as well. And the other one's a beef lamb case product that i make that's uh seems to be everyone's favorite it's a griddle dog we do that at both stadiums as well and then the other two are what i do at green valley grocery which is a jalapeno uh hot dog skinless and a beef um those are killer. What are those?
0: And like? now we got some To Be Frank's dogs coming out as well. What's going on with these?
5: Yeah, so we got
4: the Philly with our house-made cheese whiz, uh, griddled onions and peppers. And then we've got our chili dog with our Texas-style chili, uh, some cheddar cheese, mixed cheese, uh, a charred scallion uh, sour cream, some onion. And then we've got our signature To Be Frank dog, which is our house-blended sauerkraut along with our golden egg sauce.
0: Okay, so if you hear us chewing and talking with our mouths full, <laughs> well, we deserve it because this is some amazing dog. Sorry, dog I just in jumped in. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, okay, so we gave a little intro on Jordan. Ralph Perazzo, also here from um, Snap-O-Razzo. Is it Snap-O-Razzo? snap o mm-hmm. Snap-O-Razzo, the, that's correct. Snap-O-Razzo hot dogs. Yeah. Ralph, man, you know, I was trying to figure out how far we go back. I've written about you a lot, right, over the years. Um, but I guess we probably met when you were at Bradley Ogden. And wow, yeah. From there, you went up to Guy Savoy briefly. Um, then you... You left Las Vegas for a while. You kind of had your, your time figuring out what you wanted to do. Then mm-hmm. out in it was Long Island, New York, that you opened the first BBDs, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um,
5: 2013.
0: And then you brought that concept, BBDs, which was, what BBDs stand for?
5: Beers, Burgers, Desserts.
0: Beers, Burgers, Desserts, Ooh. because Ralph's Sh- an accomplished pastry chef. It should have <laughs>
5: stand for Beers, Burgers, and Dogs is what it should have
0: done. should have. Yeah. Um, but you weren't doing the Dogs yet at that time. It's- Although prior to BBDs, I just found an article where I interviewed you about hot dogs. So, cool, so it's always running through. Um, so BBDs, short-lived over at Palace Station. Ralph started, you know, you were never seemed to think about leaving Las Vegas. You seemed no. to be really committed to this town. And... Um, I know you've been bouncing around a lot of ideas, but what started happening, again, amongst our little group of foodie friends, right? And we've got, I shouldn't say little, we've got a lot of foodie friends. The same people that were telling me about to be Franks and it was saying this, we were all getting little care packages from Ralph as he was working out in the middle of the pandemic, you know, nobody was seeing anybody and we'd all get these, this ring at our doorbell and Ralph was dropping off some packs of this, these new hot dogs that he was working out in the lab, man. He was like Dr. Dre, you know, stuck in the lab with his pen and a pad, right? Trying to get the damn label off. And um, yeah, you, you know, you were just taking notes from us, asking what we
5: thought, and I was like, man. Best thing I ever did, man.
0: This guy, you took, you used the pandemic as a time to focus on creating a recipe for hot dogs so I you did. could create a hot dog brand.
5: I did. The, re- the real story was when we, we you know, going back to BBDs, it wasn't the right location for us, and we were looking to move. We made a relationship with a Strip Casino, and we were moving our, our location, and then when the pandemic happened... All bets were off. You know, no one was building a new restaurant, let alone opening up their old ones. So, um, you know, my fiance at the time was looking at each other and I was like, what am I going to do? You know, we're not going to open up our restaurant back open and the restaurant business is kind of a mess right now with the pandemic. Everything shut down. And she just said, everybody loves your hot dogs. Why don't you make hot dogs? I think you actually had one of my first hot dogs at uh, Justin's event. Uh, whiskey in the wilderness oh yeah whiskey in the wilderness years years ago yeah i was doing the pork ones and um you know i said you know i've never never had my life have had free time Mm -hmm. it was the first time i had nothing to do took all the money that i had and uh reached out to a family in new york who used to make the sabrettes of the nathans back in the 70s in florida at their plant obviously i have a lot of deep relationships in the beef world and uh, sent them some samples and told them what I was looking to do, and they kind of gave me the ropes on the hot dog business and how to go about it. And uh, I would say around, around four to 5,000 hot dogs I gave away for free, and it was the best thing I ever did. It was the best money spent because people gave me great feedback, and the women and the children were the best feedback. <laughs> Uh, so, this is a Vegas born brand. Yeah, well. totally. Totally. I mean, and what is this spicy one I'm eating right now? That's our jalapeno one that we just came out with for, for our uh, non case products. I'm Fresh jalapeno, that. super clean. Not a lot of people have eaten it yet. Um, we, have a, we have them at Green Valley Grocery as of now. Um, they're, they're, they're really my pride and joy. I like them in water usually, chefier, good grill, old grill them. They're still good. Uh, but I'm proud to say there's fresh jalapenos and there's no cheese, not covered up by anything. It's pork and jalapenos. But, but um, you know, the whole the whole thing about hot dogs is, you know, it all started from, what am I going to do with myself? And everyone was miserable. Like, if you remember how the pandemic was in the beginning, right, two years ago, two and a half years ago, you couldn't leave your house. The strip was shut down. I think Liebner was riding his bicycle down Las Vegas Boulevard <laughs> and sent me, like, a video or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, I drove to people's houses. You know, I look like a weirdo, you know, <laughs> rolling up at hot dogs, and they called me the hot dog Santa. You were hot dog Santa? Yeah, man. and I yeah. was like, here you go. The, all I ask is— Sounds a- like a weird porno or something. <laughs> I don't know, here's our new Facebook page. Just give me a review on what you think, and I appreciate it. And honestly, two or three runs later, uh, this is the product that we have from that. So I actually owe it to the Las Vegas community for giving me their time and their feedback on the hot dogs. Otherwise, they wouldn't be what they are today. Cool. So what
0: was it like making that transition from um, from cooking you know, with, with product that right. is delivered to you? And of course, right. you were always somebody who was at high-end restaurants, so you cared mm-hmm. about the quality of the product. But then actually having to create the product, right? The meat processing is a different business. And I know you've always been really interested in it. I mean, you and I have had long conversations about... Whether the right information is out there on things like dry aged beef, mm-hmm. and things like I'll that. Right? That conversation so, will come back. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I know that you care a lot about products, but I think that when you've got to figure out how to mass produce it by the thousands, tens of thousands, what, 100 yeah. millions, however many yeah. of these things you sell, that it becomes a, a,
5: a very different formula. And that's easier, scale. believe it or not. I, um, the biggest thing was I took my formula, I went, went to a couple of different plants and gave them product to taste and then I found the right plant to partner with and that plant was right just because they were going to source out my spices and do the things that I wanted to do the biggest the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing is you actually can hone in the product making it in a meat plant whether you're doing it in your restaurant, I had a full butcher shop or an emulsifier and a smoker from New York to here, years of making hot dogs but um, when I had the access to a plant and the precise precision on the emulsion and temperature and when they add the ice and when they add our fat and our spices and how far we can bring and then going to the smoker where we can do a natural smoke at exactly a certain humidity so the sausage doesn't dry out. It was incredible. It was incredible. It made it made the product better than I can ever do it ever on my own at a butcher shop. Excuse me. Wow. But um, you know, so Having access to a USDA meat plant is great for that, but it's negative for the other side when you're trying to do something different, and you have to file with USDA and explain your recipes and explain why you're doing your processing. Like the jalapeno hot dog, for example, mm-hmm. that has to be made at a time when the plant has a shutdown and the air doesn't get, you know, contaminated with the oils from the jalapenos going into the mixer while it's making the emulsion. You know, but we made it happen and we got a great product and we're gonna we're gonna push it. So. Um, I would say that on the manufacturing side but on the sitting at home, dealing with sales, talking with people setting up the SKU numbers, going into One World Sync, which I'm sure no one knows what that is but it's what Walmart has and Costco has where it tracks all your products and barcodes and distribution and blah 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 we could talk for hours it, it, it's been a challenge it's been the hardest thing i've ever done opening a restaurant fucking easy sorry to curse yeah but Bad. um curse away great <laughs> it's uh opening a restaurant running a restaurant completely easy I, I i love that uh i love what i'm doing i will be opening up bars and restaurants soon because i just personally miss slapping some meat on the table and butchering grinding and making product but um it's one of the hardest things I've ever. People are asked, Oh, you doing? You doing so well? Da, da da No, I'm not. You know, we're 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 still growing. There's a lot of back-end stuff to this, you know, um, which is for a whole probably for a whole other segment. But uh, <laughs> but it's been fun. It's been challenging. I've definitely been working hard for the last two and a half years just to get the product in distributors and get it in front of people. And we've had great success with great people like Mister Davis ordering my hot dogs online and eating them at his house and giving me the opportunity at, at Allegiant Stadium to. Levy being wonderful and giving me an opportunity at T-Mobile because we do so well at Allegiant. Yeah, and we're
0: gonna get to the, <clears throat> what you get. Yeah, how so that all works. It's but. been
5: slow, and even local Green Valley Grocery, a local family-owned yeah, C yeah. store, who came to me and said, "Hey, I mean, we we love you. We we charge your product. It's great. I mean, I owe them a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that we're." We're in there. I'm taking
2: blame or credit for this segment because several episodes back, I occasionally have been known to go to one of the more popular national fast food franchises in the PFC world. For and I did a little <laughs> so. hot dog thing with, <laughs> with three places. The one lazy, guilty pleasure, Schnitzel, because it's close to the house. Uh-huh. And two, the two is fine. Mm-hmm. And that was like number three on the list. Number two was uh, the... Uh, uh, I think it's Vienna Beef stand at the South Point Casino by the sports book. It's a bucket and sure. a quarter. It's wonderful. And there's mustard, ketchup, and uh, relish and, and onion. And then my number one was the Costco dog. And so the I same uh, you know, So I yelled at him and told him I was bringing him snapper risers. And he did, and they were wonderful. We had him at home with my wife, green valley buns.
0: Picked up a pack. I dropped, Brought him over to Rick Moonen's house, and I <laughs> handed them to him.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you don't get you know, talk about hot
0: dogs. You know, you, know, yeah. you, you want
5: me to plug? Rick was one of the guys that I was giving my samples to, and he's an OG New York guy, knows a good goddamn hot dog, and he was the one that kind of was like, "Hey, man." This one's a little too smoky, but that one's actually kind of... So he, he kind of contributed a tremendous amount. Wow. Dude, tons of chefs in town contributed to my product. I mean... You know, so let me ask the, you. So, the, the, the best, the best, the best thing is this: with food, I've always done the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're a, a hostess, a dishwasher, a bookkeeper, whatever it is. I always put food in front of everybody and take all the intel, and then design that food around the intel. Yeah. And um, that's pretty much what I did with the hot dogs. And I was I'm very fortunate. It's, well,
0: they're great, and everybody loved them during the pandemic. And I, like I said, man, I'm buying them and bringing them to Rich. And,
5: yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the only reason why it's a good product is we have no no MSG, no dairy, no gluten. Uh, they're real. They're real deal. Our beef dogs are made with kidney beef fat, which I'll explain if you want. But Our pork is made with gel fat. You know, I want to get to some more basic
0: sorry, things just... than that. No, <laughs> we just we got You're starting the um, the graduate course, which I love, doctoral <laughs> dissertation. But let's get down to hot dogs 101. on one, man. Because I, I always like to try to dissect this shit and deconstruct it from the beginning. Ooh. What makes something a hot dog? We all know a sausage is anytime you sort of grind up meat and put it in a casing, right, and in a long form. But what makes a sausage, a hot dog. Are Jeff, there hard and fast rules? Is it like bourbon that it has to be, you know, made somewhere special? What makes something a hot dog?
4: Well, I mean, a hot dog is just a type of sausage. It, uh, you know, that back, like the Frankfurter was uh, well, all pork, and then the Vienna was all beef back when they first started. They were just types of sausages. And then when they came over here, it was basically when the bun was added to it. When it got came on roll, that's when it became the hot dog.
0: Okay. So a... Sausage sandwich is a hot dog.
5: We're <laughs> <laughs> been a fight for years. Is a hot dog a
0: sandwich? We're not gonna get into that fight. <laughs> yeah. That that's the most dumb. E- we maybe we will later. I don't know. I'm not. We don't have any edibles. I'm not stoned enough.
3: <laughs>
0: um, okay. Give up, dot So, what about the old myth? You don't know what you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Right. Hot dogs are nothing but lips and assholes. Right. Um, like that kind of stuff. Oh, no. Uh, you know, and hey, I read Upton Sinclair, The Jungle. And <laughs> honestly, um, there were a lot worse shit going on in that book than what was going on in that right, meatpacking right? plant. But right. that being sport, Yorkie, man. But um, but that being said, the there is a truth to the fact that some products are made from scraps. So is awful. So you go to Mario Batali mm-hmm. restaurant, and he feeds your brains and things like that. There's oh, nothing wrong in my mind. There's nothing wrong with with scrap, not scraps, but the so-called lesser cuts or organ meats and things like that. But is that what hot dogs are? Are they just trimmings or are they organ meat or what goes into them?
5: I'll go back to your first question. What is a hot dog? A hot dog is an over-seasoned emulsified protein that people used to use scraps for. Mustard powder is number one. Mustard powder is king in emulsion. I don't care what hot dog you're making, I would say about... 40 50 percent of the recipes usually mustard powder it kind of works well with fats and trim stuff like that um you know so i mean i mean hot dogs here's the funny thing people my hot dogs are not cheap you know they're they're quality and we use good product and people say oh my god these are so good i'm like i'm not doing anything special i'm doing what they did 30 40 years ago Things have changed. Everyone says hot dogs skipped a generation. You uh, you you lived in New York for a little while. I mean, how many times have you visited? You know the hot dog stand. I
0: meant Grace Papaya in the right. 80s, oh and yeah. nineties. Uh, uh, I right. mean, like you leave the limelight <laughs> drunk off your ass and you go to totally. Grace Papaya. Totally. You know?
5: Now you go to Grace Papaya now, and you may not feel the same way about that hot dog because yeah. it's changed. Not because. Grace Papaya wanted it to because just because of things of pricing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I think uh, I think hot, hot dogs definitely skipped a generation. I grew up in loving hot dogs in New York and going to Nathan's and eating boar's head lamb case was my number one and going to the Italian pork stores. And then over the last, I would say for the last thirty years, I, I always say that I ask people what's your favorite hot dog, and they either say, you know, Vienna. It's regional. It depends where you're from. But no one is really focusing on making a hot dog with quality product, whether it's the spices and the protein, because it's just too expensive, and no one thinks they can sell it. So um, I think I think hot dogs are alive and well. I think hot dog type, toppings are alive and well. Um, I think I think everyone cares about what's in between the bun. Chef here has a great hot dog that he has in between his bun. And that that's that's the key focal point. Um, the hot dog itself has to be really tasty, and and I think that as 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 palates and people. Uh, look for better food to eat. I always say my hot dogs are great because they don't repeat on you because they're made with quality product, usually MSG things of that nature what help you repeat on on emulsions. But uh, that's a whole other conversation. But um, you know, it's 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 good to see so hot dogs coming back. they can be made
0: with scraps, but they can be made with quality. Yeah. Product yes. as well.
5: Yes, not many people do it. I smoke mine on natural maple. Most people smoke their products on liquid smoke. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot yeah. of hot dogs are, are <laughs> processed, steamed, and synthetic casings. I use lamb casings. So, for example, our our, our non-case product so basically
0: I, like if i were to buy those lambskin condoms those are <laughs> that
5: you're making your hot dogs out of i want to say my favorite hot dog is, i mean no, not sport, i go as far I, as, I'm as not getting big, but i go as far as getting lamb intestines out of new zealand because they're 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 cleaner than yeah. the ones we get in america so mm. uh but like the non-case product we use cellulose vegetable casings and we do that so when we smoke them the flavor gets into the emulsion where most hot dogs are made with synthetic casings and that flavor of the smoke can't get in, so they use liquid smoke. Okay. Um so we're 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 pardoned to the rule, as they say, if that's the correct word. But you know, I, I do believe people want a better hot dog. I mean, we 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 get business at the stadiums because the smells. You've you've been to T Mobile, I think, right? Yeah. And and people talk about how they follow the smells to Snapperazzo booth because it's just real product. We we sell more beef dogs than the pork and beef because <coughs> They physically see it on the griddle. Right. And the people eat with their eyes and their nose, obviously. Yeah. Um,
2: Are hot dogs part of the thing that is your favorite dog is more environmental? At least mine is. My favorite dog was the one I had that the... Portland Buckaroos game when I was nine oh, yeah. years old in oh, 1960 yeah. in Portland or oh, the, yeah. or when I was a sophomore in college and at the Oregon Ducks game. Doesn't every that city kind of have
0: like their own hot dog dude. company? Like You've I remember Phillies Franks when I grew up yeah. in Jersey, right? Like there's someone, the same yeah. ones
5: that you get at the vet, Veterans Stadium, you know? You got a guy in town, Pizza Concept, I can't remember his name. He, he pushes hot dogs on <laughs> his place. It's a Buffalo Bar, Buffalo Bills Bar, good dude. Mm. I can't remember his name. Sinjin on it, Pizza so. pizza joint in town. He brings in the hot dogs from Buffalo, New York. They're called. Satan. Are you talking
0: about um Chris Palmieri? I think yeah, so. he's what, Buffalo, P- New York what, pizza, what, Naked City pizza. Naked City, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, okay. yeah.
5: So I saw him at because I I, 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 I stop at the, the Biker Bar where he has his other place, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and I asked him for the hot dogs, but like. Those were good, but they 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 weren't for me, but, like, I can see why people like them. And just to your point, hot dogs are very regional. Everybody has – they could totally suck, but to other people, they're, like, the best things ever because that's what they grew up on.
0: So I did this story – I'm trying to figure out what the date on it was, but it was a long, long time ago. Um, Okay, there we go. July 3rd, 2018, right before July 4th weekend – I ran down all the different regional hot dogs that were available in Las Vegas. I actually interviewed Ralph at the time. It was before BBD's opened. I asked you what it took to be a good New York hot dog. At the time, Ralph, you so said, funny. a good New York hot dog is about the snap, Sabrette, so Nathan's. Wow. The reason why I think they've been so successful over the years is that their dogs have a snap, even when they're in dirty dog water, as we call <laughs> it.
5: Incredible.
0: So, um, <laughs> Incredible, Al. But back then, we were talking about all the, the regional specialties. And this, for Jordan, you. you you're all about the toppings. To be frank, is known for doing outrageous or outlandish or just very exciting combinations of toppings. For right? sure,
4: for sure. I, I mean, uh, you know, Ralph, I, 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 think is more of a purist kind of, you know, just the straight up dog, and then maybe a topping or two, nothing to yeah. obfuscate the flavor of the dog itself. Our
5: onion sauces are. Yeah. yeah.
4: Which, which for us, it's like we, you know. Tasted a bunch of different dogs before we decided what we wanted to use. We actually tasted the Snapperazos back when they were in development, and we wanted to use them. Unfortunately, the timing of when they came to market and when we opened didn't align. Um, but we found uh, Newskis out of Wisconsin. Uh, honestly, you know, they're famous for their bacon. I did not realize at the time that they had made a hot dog. They do. We tried it versus about 20 other dogs. Incredible flavor. Nice smoke. Nice snap. So Am I getting cheese so whiz in here? Yes, sir.
2: Oh, God. Real whiz or some homemade artisanal
4: whiz? We make it here. All right. We make it here.
2: So, <laughs> so when, you, when you're when you topping a
0: dog with a lot of toppings, you still care about the quality of the dog that's on the 100%. bottom. You're not
4: saying, ah, fuck it, we'll no. bury it. We'll no. buy a cheap
0: dog, we'll bury it with good No, 100%
4: toppings. care about that. I mean, you know, it's it's the, the major component of the dish, so it's got to be uh, really flavorful in itself.
2: Tell me about the dog that's not on the menu because you put all this stuff on and it went, oh, that's
4: just too far. Even for me, that's too much. Uh you know uh, actually we never we never quite had one of those there uh, were a couple likely story there <laughs> were some there was some stuff that we were developing that uh you know we liked but didn't move a lot like we did a brazilian uh a dog that was uh, with a brazilian sausage with a black bean brondad and chimichurri mm-hmm. and that i thought was incredible but you know we couldn't sell it for the life of us what's the um like the hawaiian
0: pizza of the hot dog world the one that just makes everybody go <laughs> what is wrong with you
4: for ordering that for me for me it's when you're putting relish on a dog I know that everyone loves relish. I've never just been a huge fan of relish uh, or ketchup. Ketchup is, uh,
5: to me, as well. My fiancé would fight you about that. Uh... Ketchup. She she yeah. will eat two dogs a night of my hot dogs and put ketchup on it and look at me with a straight face. I'm pretty sure Philadelphia, <laughs> they, they, oh, God. a lot
0: of people I knew in Philly did ketchup on that because you used to put in ketchup on a cheesesteak. Right. No, a I'll speak
2: up anyway. for, for, it's oh. not either or, it's not mustard or ketchup, it's mustard and ketchup. Two mm. two parts mustard, one part ketchup. See,
4: when we were when we were coming up with the toppings and stuff, one goal of ours was to not use ketchup and not use mustard as a topping on the dog. <laughs> We wanted to just kind of do something totally different. So we did, uh, you know, I mean, the sauerkraut, obviously pretty traditional. The chili's pretty traditional. But it was just kind of what food, you know, when Trevor and I were thinking about dishes, it was what, what food. Do you really like to eat that you could see uh, easily converted to a hot dog? And then we kind of played around a little bit like and we weren't we were doing other sausages when we were out of every grain, but for here when we came over to sticks, because we had the menu of sticks we had to kinda of limit it a little bit, but we were doing we we're also doing uh, lukanico sausage a greek sausage with uh like a kalamata relish and some uh tomatoes and feta and uh parsley and then we were doing a basque chorizo that we sourced from northern nevada wow. Wow. Uh, with a piperada a lot of
0: basques up in northern
4: nevada uh, that's where i grew up was uh, elko you know and yeah. we have a basque festival every year and uh community so much bass in the community so like a banana dijon and the piparada and fried shallots um that one actually was one of our top sellers along with our thai dog which is a fermented isan sausage that we do with uh that one i had had that sausage and it was like it was amazing we got to do a dog with this and trevor had actually just spent uh, about a week in thailand so we covered it with a spicy green papaya slaw and uh uh, peanuts and some chips and uh, red onion and uh that one was one of our that one and the Basque dog were actually probably our biggest sellers, but then the Bun Me, the Philly, we did a Sonoran, another regional, and then we did a take on
5: like a Seattle style dog where we did a spruce tip cream cheese
0: yeah,
4: uh,
5: with grilled mushrooms. Seattle
0: so, style dog
4: is a so, weird thing.
5: So you're keeping every sausage dog the same? You're just working the toppings?
4: Well, all the dogs uh, are the same, and then we have sausages based off of a couple different you know, sausages that have, that we've come across that we really like.
0: So, you know, sausage, I mean, excuse me, hot dogs, much like pizza, you know, we're a city of expatriates, people come here, they want what they got at home. There are a couple of places where you can get a drag through the garden Chicago dog here in town. Um, Amore comes to mind. I mm-hmm. don't think you guys do a, a drag through the garden Chicago. We do not. We do yeah. not. We've oh. been.
4: And honestly, we haven't gotten a lot of requests for them. Probably like four or five since we've been around. That pickle sphere always throws oh. me on that. <laughs> not, the neon green stuff. Me no. that. I have a question. You know Speaking
0: of regional dogs. I need to a pull out okay, right sorry. Now, uh,
5: I think we do better pizza and certain foods here than those cities
0: yeah i'm just mean that there are people who were born somewhere else that live here that's what i mean by but they but they, but, made, but they bring their, great, their food great food to las vegas yeah, yeah. and I, I absolutely i'd much yeah. rather live here so we were going to run down some styles yeah i was just curious do you do a you know a coney dog which is the detroit style i you know you can get them down on fremont street do you guys do that one here? uh no the only the only uh kind so of so you're
4: sticking it original man yeah you're, you're i mean we did did our, our take on the Soren dog for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then the Seattle dog for a while, which, again, was our kind of twist on it with the spruce uh, cream spruce tips uh, in the cream cheese and then the griddled button mushrooms, but oh. still, you know, sauteed on griddled onions and... Uh, uh, but otherwise, I mean, not really. It's just kind of. Oh, and the Philly, obviously, the Philly. Yeah. Um, house house made cheese whiz, too. But I
0: don't think anybody in Philly puts that on a hot dog ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I grew up outside of Philly. You know what you need to get? And it's funny because I have a picture of it in this ad. Nobody does a Newark style Italian hot dog. Oh. Icky D's, Jimmy Cliff's. Put the fried potatoes on there, the fried peppers, the fried onions. You got mustard and ketchup on it. Yeah. But you know, you got the mustard only touching the hot dogs. You got the ketchup only touching the potatoes. Inside, like big pita bread, man. If you start making that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the petitioning thing. the mayor to have a, a day named after you if you make those. We bad also ones.
4: did uh, um, for one of our uh, guests that comes in often. We sometimes do a Carolina style slaw dog mm-hmm. with uh, chili and. Uh, um, Sour uh, chili and coleslaw, which he loves.
2: Anybody tried doing uh, a DC-style Ben's Chili Bowl half smoke? No. Half I, beef, didn't half I don't even know what those I don't know what either. were <laughs> either. It's really centric to D.C. There's a place called Ben's Chili Bowl, the legendary place on U Street in Washington, the only place that wasn't destroyed in the 1968 riots after uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. It is where the cops and the protesters came to negotiate. Yeah, and, and all the carts in D.C. as well. Half beef, half pork, and very smoky. Huh. Well, see you
5: there. Huh. You're the sleeper. Yeah, <laughs> talk after this. You know, so, some education on some hot <clears throat> Latin
2: go-go music. That's that's what DC is. Not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, we are in fact running out of time. So I just want to tell people where they can get your products. Again, Ralph, I do like the fact that you know and we, we touched on it before Green Valley Grocer they have some weird fucking products in that place I love it there's some like the I go in there and like I'm just trying Those to get a rock eggs, star yeah. and there's like pickled <laughs> quail eggs and shit right and I'm like where man like thank god i you know don't go in there like after a late night binging like I used to do because yeah. I mean I'd be going home with the weirdest stuff but they have Ralph first of all Ralph's beautiful face there right over the, um, the little magic yeah. hot dog twirler machine and uh, so we we can get your stuff there what if people want to make them at home can they order them
5: uh they can order them on snapperazzo.com uh, for for distribution across the country for e-commerce but uh, we also sell them at Green Valley Grocery and at Curtainway, way uh, local little cheese shop that I yeah, love we dearly. love way. Um, they, the, uh, those are the two people that carry my dogs locally here in Las Vegas
0: and when you come into and I'm man, I, you dude you guys should I, I advertise your place at T-Mobile every time I'm there I'm always Thank posting when am meeting it. at T-Mobile arena so you go into T-Mobile I usually go up the left escalator, but when I'm hungry, I go up the right escalator, make a left directly out, off of that escalator, and there's Ralph's people selling hot dogs with pickles on the side. You can get dirty water. You can get them grilled. Yeah. Um, you got the, dills, the, the bills, dill pickles on the side, so that's where you get it. Also, in Allegiant Stadium, I didn't see you when I was there. Where are you in Allegiant? We're,
5: we're in the 100s right next to the torch, right next okay. to the main entrance, so uh, we have a great cr- uh, following there. Uh, that's, that, that whole trophy thing is beautiful i mean it's incredible um
0: Cool and Jordan. So, how frequently does the menu change? at to be frank, and how much of it is still like a secret menu when you come in here to eat at Styx?
4: Like So, we actually just recently put it on the Sticks menu. Okay. Um, it's available uh, online as well. You know, um, uh, at tobefranklv.com. But full menu for now is just is the uh, six dogs that we have at the moment, and changing it probably once every few months. Um, throwing a new dog, taking one off, just kind of seeing what we uh, what we're feeling at the moment, and uh, when we decide when we do make. Any changes here, but um, yeah, we're down on uh, Water Street in Henderson. Uh, Can order online through Six Tavern or, to be frank.
0: Awesome. Thank you, guys, both. Um, I know we're gonna sit here and eat some delicious dogs. This is Food and Loathing. Okay, it's time for a quick dose of foodie news. Before we get to that, I need to offer a quick correction on my conversation with Ralph. Um, I mentioned Ralph working at Guy Savoy, which was incorrect, kind of. Um, he did spend some time training at their Paris location. He never actually worked in the Las Vegas outpost. My apologies on that mix-up. Um, it was a long time ago, and mm. things are fuzzy. In a restaurant far and far <laughs> away. <laughs> um, as I teased at the start of the show, Al Posto is now serving brunch. They launched it quietly this past weekend. Sue and I paid them a visit with our friend Calix on Sunday, but before we dined, I had a quick chat with Chef James Trees, so let's listen to that. What made you decide to expand into brunch, and what is the brunch at Al Solito Posto going to be all about?
3: So... The reason why we decided to do brunch was because we find that Tivoli is becoming a mecca for dining, and it's um has two of the best breakfast places uh, up here in Summerlin with Cafe Leone and with um, Echo and Rig, and I think that we wanted to add to that and kind of round out what the offerings were. We have like the very cool, laid back kind of bistro. Um, With Leone Cafe, you have a more like high-end experience and steakhouse kind of vibe with uh, like oysters over at uh, Echo and Rig. And I think they both do a really good job. We want to be kind of the middle of that um, area. We want to offer some pasta, some really cool inventive takes on brunch dishes. But we also want to feed you breakfast. And obviously with our service model and the great service that we provide here at Oslo Posto, we think it's a really good time to be open for us.
0: So I haven't looked at the menu yet. Forgive me for not knowing this. Is it an a la carte and all you can eat? What kind of setup is it?
3: So it's a la carte dining. Um, There's about 30 dishes on the menu. Uh, We did just uh, add the carbonara to the menu. Because, I mean, for me, that is the breakfast of champions is eggs and guanciale and pasta. (laughs) Um, Steve and uh, the team and Michael and uh, Joe, they all put together some really great ideas. Um, Everything as simple as the granola parfait with the uh, lemon curd and the whipped yogurt to the stuffed French toast to uh, the bacon, egg, and cheese, which is uh, near and dear to Steve's heart because uh, Steve's first job was making bacon, egg, and cheeses at a Jersey uh, at a Jersey spot. So, you know, I, I really love that we have the diversity from high-end kind of like lowbrow. And um, we've been messing with a couple different things, and one of the things I really love on the menu is the smoked salmon Uh, toast. It's hot smoked salmon with basically caviar garnishes. It's just really great.
0: Awesome. And of course, you know, it's almost the end of January, so it's obviously springtime in Las Vegas. The patio is um, hopping out there right now. It seems like good patio weather right now.
3: It's pretty awesome to see the... We always envisioned when we walked into this space about seeing the doors open and the patios available. And my goal, when the first thing we did when we got the space was I ripped out all the ironwork in front of the restaurant that was kind of holding it back from being close to the fountain. My, my dream scenario is having an Aperol spritz and a bacon, egg, and cheese and sitting next to an awesome fountain at <laughs> Tivoli.
0: I'm, I'm flashing to, like, the opening credits of Friends there where they're all jumping in the fountain and spitting water at each other. Just showing my age.
3: You know, uh, we've actually... Um, our wonderful friend Justin Randall, who's uh, been a long time uh, regular at Esther's and uh, and now Ocelito, he lives right across the street now um, he brought his entire law office over and uh, his paralegals got so drunk they were jumping in the fountain and trying to ride the horses it was amazing.
0: That sounds like fun, I'm sorry I missed <laughs> that party man um, so what, what hours, what days, what hours are you doing brunch?
3: Uh, so we're doing lunch and brunch we just started lunch on Monday so lunch and brunch will go 7 days a week so lunch Monday to Friday 11 to uh, 3 and then obviously we open at 4 and then and we're doing, I believe it's 10 to uh, 3, 4 brunch Saturday and Sunday. So we are now open all the times.
0: I actually had that Taylor ham sandwich that he was talking about that Steve Young was all about. And um, very Jersey. Very, very Jersey. <laughs> Comes in aluminum foil. Um, you know, I like a good egg egg and cheese sandwich yeah. with, mm, with some yeah. dead salted pig on it of any kind but this was definitely not a new york style one which was like a staple living in new york city ate them like three times a week at least (laughs) i did uh this was definitely more of a jersey one heavy on that taylor ham or pork roll you can argue about what to call it but we all know that that that's pork pork roll roll. yes i (laughs) actually call it pork roll too but i think it's the jersey people north jersey people like to call it taylor ham I believe I was a South Jersey kid growing up. Anyway, the French <laughs> toast. The French toast was great. The pastries were great. There was something very, very similar, uh, the closest I can find in Las Vegas right now, to a um, a John's roast pork out of mm. Philly. So not quite that. of Similar to the porchetta they do at Esther's Kitchen on a mm. sandwich with a little broccoli rob and um, really good. So check that one out too. Congrats on brunch to my friends at Al Salido Posto. Um, okay, so I'm sure I'm not the only one who's wondering what restaurants will be in and what restaurants will be out when the Palms reopens. Mm -hmm. I've been hearing some rumors, purely unconfirmed and unverified. I love those kind. Yeah, that Michael Simon may be sticking around. I hope that's true. Um, But on a more official level, our friends at Eater have been keeping their eyes on the Palms Twitter account. They noticed a post announcing the return of Ghost Bar. Yeah. So that's kind of cool anything else i mean i'd love it if bobby flay would bring shark back but i don't think that's going to happen and i feel like mark vetri is so settled into his red sauce up at um Mm -hmm. up at red rock which is an amazing restaurant but i would trade it in a minute to have him doing that elevated stuff that he did at the top of the palms you don't think
1: that's going to happen i don't have any
0: yeah i've got no idea what the relationship would be like between the fertitas and the new palms owners
2: what about mr coco
0: mr francesco la is busy them. with with carver these days yep. i mean i would love it if that came back that was beautiful but but we know ghost bar so that's cool great so that's about it for the news this week next up a bit of cannabis <laughs> i actually after dinner last night at um hakasan i drove by exhale they usually have a pretty good edibles um selection in there i, I found this company called Cannabella, um, They mostly were doing dried fruits, right? So I thought I was pointing at the dried fruits. Ended up not. I I like the idea of a pineapple cherry bomb flavor. So I grabbed these. They call them buttercream chews. And they're these little squares. Um, They each, okay, so big bag. They each come in their own tiny little individually sealed plastic bags. They're a bit of a pain in the ass to open. I I just had to bite this one open. But I don't know, Kim, if you want to take a bite off of one of these. I did. I already took one. Okay, they call them buttercream chews. I'm going a little bit here. These are 10 milligrams THC in each. I just took about two and a half milligrams worth. You can definitely microdose, although. They're easily... easy to
1: microdose because you can really break off a little bit. Like yeah. you could divide that into four if you needed to. Yeah. Just to like microdose. You definitely
0: could. But they are small. But um, I was trying to figure out what this reminded me of. Does anybody
2: remember Starburst fruit chews? Mm-hmm. Oh, little yeah. Square, yeah, like yeah. They're, they're kind of square Skittles, or, you know, <laughs> right? Basically, <laughs> they But the name is buttercream. Is there a buttercream flavor?
1: I I actually thought that this was pretty f- straightforward buttercream taste. It's very sugary. Do you do you f- taste the sugar? Oh, it's super sugary. It's, it's like definitely a candy sugary. flavor, yeah. In the way that like um buttercream in like and a cake in like Smith's Deli oh, is right. be like really really sweet. It's not yeah. It's not bad, but yeah. it's just very, very sweet. Right. And it very does frost- taste like yeah. frosting to me. Yeah, but,
0: but it does mask that weed. I'm not it, tasting not a nothing, lot of any weed. weed. Yeah, no. so that's, that's nice if you're not into the flavor of weed. So yes. um, I like that. I don't even remember what I paid for these. I think they were somewhere around in the 30 dollars for, um for a 100 milligram pack. Um, so maybe 20, twenty between 25 and 30 if I remember correctly. Um, You know, kind of the higher end for edibles, but they not are. at that gourmet level of edibles. And for something that's easy to pop, easy to... Yep. Taste. Um, you you just need to be in the mood for candy when you're eating this. I mean, this is <laughs> definitely not, yeah. You're not. If like... You have a sweet
1: tooth. You'll like it.
0: Cool. Okay, so there are Cannabella buttercream chews, pineapple cherry bomb, which is a weird com- flavor combination. Again, it makes it's that artificial kids candy fruit flavor, right? Definitely. Like nothing that wow. came from a real fruit, but you you will recognize them. So that's about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to our guests, Jordan Camacho and Ralph Perrazzo and the entire team at Sticks Tavern for hosting us. Oh, and I got the uh, rotisserie chicken to
2: go and it was uh, fabulous. Yeah, they do a great chicken. Had it warmed up the first night and then uh, cold, just eating it, you know, cold off the bone watching football the next day. It was great. You know, I'm
0: reviewing the surveys of people from my new project, Neon Feast, and um, that place got named, even though it's a relatively new place. It got picked as one of the best chicken places in town, one of the best hot dog places in town town and one of the best gaming bars with good food um so you know people love it sticks is great water street go down have it we like those guys um huge thank you to kim foster for joining us this week and adding a little bit of smart to the um to the podcast (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'm so happy to be here
0: you can read her writings at kim kim-foster.com use the dash and um, how can people find out more about please send noodles
1: um, we have a Facebook page if you look at please send noodles with three exclamation points that's just to make us different <laughs> from all the other restaurants that are called please send noodles um, and if you um, if you just join us there I'll click you through and you can be a part of the group and we are talking about cooking pretty much all the time on that site
0: cool Neap. There are a lot of topics I'd like to have you back to discuss in detail for a full segment. So I'm hoping you had a decent enough time today that maybe you'll come back.
1: Yeah, as long as you guys keep feeding me sandwiches and bringing the <laughs> and food edibles. Conversation <laughs> and edibles. I know. mean, how could I say no?
2: Well, you do have to tell a friend about Food and Loathing and say nice things about us on Apple Podcasts. So uh, give us uh, your likes, your dislikes, your retweets and all that. And find out more at Al's website, which is TheNeonMohawk.com. Or just reach us direct info at FoodAndLoathing.Vegas. And for Rich Johnson
0: and Kim Foster, all of our guests, and the traveling Rick Moonen, thanks for listening. I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry.